I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations. Will Republicans retake the Senate in 2014? What will happen in the House? What's the latest in 2016 presidential politics? People who want to stay ahead of the curve in politics turn to our good friends at the Cook Political Report for answers. For more than 30 years, Charlie Cook and his team have nailed the nation's most important election outcomes and political trends. CBS News' Bob Schieffer calls the report, quote, the Bible of American politics. Nate Silver says few have, quote, a longer track record of success. If you make it your business to know politics, you need to subscribe to the Cook Political Report. Head over to cookpolitical.com slash political wire. That's cookpolitical.com slash political wire to sign up today. And now to our conversation. It's no secret that trust in government and politicians continues to chill. From a recent Harvard poll on millennials to earlier surveys of older voters, the question for midterms 2014 may not be whom do we trust, but do we trust at all? But as our trust in real-life politics may fall, our delight in fictional politics, hit television shows, and other video programming continues to rise. Is there a connection? And if so, what might that connection and the role of trust play, not just for midterms this year, but as our voting focus soon turns to 2016? Few think, write, speak, and now executive produce more about these issues and in more forms of media than Jonathan Alter. He's been an award-winning author, reporter, columnist, and television analyst. Three of those books have become New York Times bestsellers. Most recently, The Center Holds, Obama and His Enemies. But currently, he's an executive producer of Alpha House, a political comedy created by Gary Trudeau, starring John Goodman and many others, and available through Amazon. Jonathan, thanks for joining me. I should start with congratulations. Alpha House was picked up by Amazon for season two, so finally, you've become what you always dreamed of, a Hollywood mogul. <laughs> well, that's very nice. Thank you. Um, yeah, I did not uh, I did not dream of uh, uh, being a... Um an executive producer of a television show. It was not ever something that was a huge part of my uh, mental imagination, but I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, I bet you are. And speaking of fun, and it'll just explain in case we uh, hear any beeping in the background or, or you know, you, you yelling at, uh, you know, anybody driving in front of you. But you're in a taxi now and I guess headed to an event in uh, in Washington, D.C. So uh, if we hear any noises or a little bit of a bad connection, uh, that's uh, taxi traffic in, in our nation's capital, right? That's right. I, I'm, I'm on my way to the Smithsonian where we're doing a panel tonight on Alpha House. Uh, Clark Johnson, one of our stars, who plays Senator Robert Bettencourt from uh, Pennsylvania um, is joining me uh, at the Smithsonian, which which is interested in um, having us talk about what we're what we're doing. And I think some of your listeners probably know Clark from his role as uh, the editor of the Baltimore Sun uh, on the Wire, and, and also the, the many shows he's directed over the years. He's an example of a, of a fantastic cast that we have. Well, well you do. You've got, you've got an incredible cast, and there's been an incredible list of cameos as well. And uh, um, it, 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 before we get into kind of the, 
the the you know the the social impact and the social re, you know and what what's really kind of going on here and I mean you've got your show and and uh, you know Frank Rich has got Veep out there and House of Cards and Scandal I mean it, and it really runs it goes across comedy drama you know but the role of of these political shows and the popularity of them and the impact that that you're really having um, I, I I'm I'm interested in the connection you know, around how we're feeling in real life around politics and, and our trust in government. But just very quickly, Alpha House itself and, and your show, it's based on uh, – just give the plot, you know, very quickly. I, I know it, of course. It's based on the real-life house that four uh, – I think it was two senators, two representatives were, were living in a house together in Washington, D.C. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. Senators Chuck Schumer uh, and Dick Durbin were uh, do live in a house – owned by George Miller, who's a congressman from California and a former congressman, Bill Delahunt, was the fourth. Uh, and uh, Gary Trudeau decided that it would be funnier if he changed them to Republicans. So we have four Republican senators uh, living in in Alpha House, and um, they uh, have various adventures in and out of the Senate. Uh, and... Uh, we shoot up in um, New York at Kaufman Astoria Studios there, and we're about to start shooting our second season in about six weeks. So, so yeah, yeah. Congratulations! So it's been picked up, yeah, exactly for the second season, and and available through uh, through Amazon. Um, so, what's your take? Why, why is this happening? And I, I mean, great for you, and you know that it is, and great for viewers like me that it is. But why is it happening? I mean, you see the same stats I do. You know how deep uh, American disgust with government runs. Um, besides, you know, besides the obvious, why do we hate it in real life and love it in fiction? What's the connection? Well, uh, I think part of it is just that as television fragmented, um, and, you know, we moved from basically having three networks, uh, when I was getting out of college that, uh, you know, had television shows. Now there are networks that I've never even heard of that, uh, spend millions of dollars producing television. And when that happens, you get a desire for new genres. And I think with the West Wing, uh, being successful, on network television, uh, on NBC, uh, in the 90s, it, it allowed, uh, producers and executives to think that, um, politics might also be, you know, another genre like police procedurals or courtroom shows or medical shows or whatever. Uh, and, um, especially, uh, when people are not feeling so good about government shows that, um, Hope fun uh, or create melodrama out of uh, people in government, whether they're making them kind of uh, lovable buffoons like we do on Alpha House or uh, evil, uh, manipulative geniuses like um, Kevin Spacey on House of Cards. You know, it, it plays to people's, um, uh, you know, uh, Contempt might not be too strong a word for um, for people in Washington, uh, but we we try not to be cynical on our show. It's got uh, a lot of you know classic Gary Trudeau uh, political satire in it, um, and we also try not to be unrealistic. Uh, you know, we don't have uh, we don't have uh, you know members of Congress killing people and that kind of thing. 
Um, but we, we, um, you know, I think we do tap in to some extent to people's willingness to, uh, see, um, our elected leaders in ridiculous positions. So, so on, on some level, and I mean this only half facetiously, um, w- would a rise in kind of faith in, in politicians and faith in government, um, w- that, that might be, you know, one of the worst things that could happen to you at this point. And I'm, I'm saying that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but, but I really am curious about, about, you know, how closely connected you, you feel I, these I, are. I, I, I don't think they're that closely connected. So, you know, uh, um, Scandal, for instance, it started yeah. doing well uh, a few years ago, uh, you know, uh, among um, uh, an audience, particularly the African-American viewership, uh, that you know, strongly supports President Obama. Uh, so I, I don't, <clears throat> it's, it's just a good soap opera, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, and so you have to kind of separate out the entertainment value from any political importance the show might have. And you know, the first obligation is for a doctor, it's do no harm for, you know, a television producer is be entertaining. Yeah. And and so all of the kind of political axe grinding and point making and message sending is, is very secondary to that. And, and as you mentioned, and, and I think I mentioned it uh, very briefly earlier, Gary Trudeau is, I don't know, I mean, he's certainly, I guess, the, the lead writer. I don't know if he's written every episode or if he has well, other. He's the creator of the show, and it very much is his vision, and, and the episodes all have his uh, uh, voice. And he, you know, he's done, uh, if not written them himself, he's uh, rewritten them. And, and I and a couple other people help him. Um, figure out what's going to happen, and, you know, I introduce a number of the political themes on the show, and it's, it's set in politics, but it's really Gary's baby. It, it, which is what I read. I guess I, he had pitched it, um, I guess, a few years ago. It kind of didn't go anywhere. And, and then, you know, from what I read, and you, you know, maybe too modest to f- uh, phrase it this way or frame it this way, but, but what I read was that you kind of resurrected it. And, and he said, well, you know, <laughs> go ahead, Alter, you know, try your luck with this thing. See if you can pitch it. And you were able to. Is that right? Yeah, that is pretty much what happened. Uh, you know, in some ways, it was even simpler than that. Like I heard from a friend that Amazon was going into the content business uh, and um, I was helping uh, Gary. We had uh, traveled together as we do every four years for the last 20 years in New Hampshire primary. And, you know, we were talking about it and um, I said, well, let me try to shop this around. And, you know, I sent it to Amazon and they bought it. And it really was a lot more complicated than that. Now we have 125 people working for us and, you know, big multi-million dollar budgets. And it's, uh, it, it just grew into something that, you know, I certainly didn't anticipate, but it's been a fun ride. And, and Trudeau takes all your notes, right? I mean, you can line edit that guy all you want. <laughs> yeah. He's worked by himself for 40 years. Uh, is 40 years old. Um, I have to say it's, it's really the, the greatest, uh, pleasure of this is working closely with him. He's a, he's a fantastic guy. And, uh, he, um, you know, uh, truth to tell, he's 
pretty good about taking my notes. <laughs> yeah, I say, okay, well, well, maybe at some point I'll have a conversation with him, and and I'll I'll, I'll ask him about that. I'll, I'll tell him how <laughs> that his reputation is. He's great at uh, at that. Uh, but he definitely has his own way, and and it would be um, it would be uh, wrong for me to claim that he takes um, anywhere close to all my notes. But when he takes any of them, uh, it's a triumph. Yeah, well, well, certainly. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, he's a he's a legend. I mean, and and the work that he you know did through the years. I mean, he he defined a whole genre of per- political cartooning. And uh, you know, I, I I hear you on that, and I'm sure you're thrilled. I I, I believe I think I read that you have a relation. You know, you, you've known him for a number of years, so uh, I, I'm I'm sure he takes any uh, ideas that you have with uh, all the respect that any uh, friend would would have. Which um, you know, I can only relate to mm-hmm. my and Tegan Goddard's relationship. He he runs uh, Political Wire, and he yeah, and I spend a lot of time in, insulting each other, which is what good yeah, friends should we- do. Right, right. There's a lot of that, and we also, um, you know, it's there's a lot of decisions that the executive producers have to make on these uh, on these big shows, and you know, along with our third uh, partner, uh, Elliot Webb, um, who is uh, the basis for Sid Kibitz and Dudes, he's a retired Hollywood agent. Uh, the three of us, you know, have our have our hands full, and, and um, you know, it's challenging and. Interesting, and for me, um, you know, I I get to squeeze in uh, continuing to write um, magazine pieces. And last year, I was finishing my book um, as we uh, were shooting the pilot. Um, and Gary uh, has decided to put his daily strip on hiatus while we do Alpha House, but he sold us uh, the Sunday Dunes for yeah, um, it, and we'll it, see how it, we'll see how it goes. We're we're right in the throes of it right now. Um, yeah. But anybody who has had a chance to to see the show, the first eleven episodes on Amazon, uh, you know, I think uh, when they see the next ten in this fall, uh, they'll will be happy because we have a sure sense of our characters now, and um, and all. You know, all four of our, our leads, uh, John Goodman, Clark Johnson, um, Matt Malloy, and Mark Consuelos are, are back for the new season, and Wanda Sykes is back, and uh, Bill Murray is back with another cameo, and, uh, you know, most of our other uh, great actors are going to be back, and they're the ones who make the whole thing come alive. Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 fantastic, and I mean, you know, Goodman. Uh, I mean, they're all they're 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 fantastic. You've gotten a, a great crew and and tremendous cameos as well. I, I wanted to ask about your writing, and and I mean, you, you know, you continue to write, and and your you know that most recent book, The Center Holds, uh, I think just recently came out in paperback as well. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. In in terms of reaction, I mean, you you you've written. I mean, you know, you've written for years, and you've written things that uh, folks have liked. And uh, you've written plenty of stuff that that folks and and uh, political leaders um, ha- have not liked. Have any you know for, have any senators, have any leaders of government come to you you know differently regarding the show and said wait 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 a minute, Jonathan, you know that that's really out of bounds in a way differently differently than they have when you've written political commentary or or anything else that you've written over the years. Uh, no, I mean the senators all love. Uh, Alpha House, the ones who've seen it. You know, Chuck Schumer was in our show 
uh, last year in the first season, and, and we have commitments from uh, uh, more than one sitting United States senator who will be in Alpha House this year. Unfortunately, I can't say which ones. Um, so, no, they all have a very positive reaction to Alpha House. And I think in terms of the center holds, um, you know, the book, uh, it, it went on the bestseller list, uh, New York Times bestseller list, but it really was in some ways as polarizing as the um, story that it covered. Um, so there's no question that Democrats uh, liked the book more than Republicans, although um, Stuart Stevens, Mitt Romney's uh, campaign manager, who was a great source for my book. Um, he liked the book, and he helped us out a little on Alpha House uh, as a consultant. And uh, Grover Norquist and Dick Morris are in uh, episode 11 of the first season, um, which uh, is a lot of fun. You know, they were great sports, and, uh, uh, you know, it was wonderful having them in the show. Michael Steele, the former head of the Republican Party, is also in Alpha House this year. Um, so we're, uh, you know, um, really happy by the re- about the reaction of the politicians. A lot of them came to our Washington premiere, and so far we haven't heard any uh, any blowback at all except from Breitbart, and who really cares what Breitbart says, right? <laughs> yeah, well, well the, the, some of those folks that you've mentioned, one of them in particular, Stuart Stevens, was a, a guest of mine, uh, on this show, I mean, he, he's a he's a terrific guy, and he does, they, they, that makes sense. He's got a a television background, so uh, getting him engaged, uh, he'll he'll keep you honest. He'll make sure that you've got the uh, the the Republican side written about uh, um, just right. Well, I, I want. I mean, we're we're not doing like the thing is, it's not trying to be uh, you know the Associated Press. It's a, it's a television show, and I think sometimes what happens is because things are so polarized. People go, um, well, everything political has to be in that context. So, you know, uh, let's, uh, you know, check these TV shows to make sure that they're uh, even Steven, you know, and their attitude toward politicians instead of just going, as I think a lot of our uh, Republican viewers and people who've been connected to the show and the cast and so forth would say, what you just should do is, Ask yourself, is it funny? Is it entertaining? Uh, does it bring a smile or even a laugh? Maybe a recognition? Uh, and and not, not look at it like it's part of the normal toxic political combat. It's supposed to be a little bit of a relief from all of that, even though the subject matter is, is the same. And also, we have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, plots that really aren't political. I'm one of the ones that people thought was funniest about the housekeeper uh, and auditioning housekeepers. You know, so some of this is just uh, really fun um, television. Uh, and then other times it does go in a, uh, in an incisive political direction. Like, uh, you know, uh, for instance, uh, not giving too much away to those who, who haven't, um, seen it. Uh, our Senator uh, Robert Bettencourt, played by Clark Johnson, who I was mentioning a moment ago, um, he goes to a fracking, has uh, a fracking photo op in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, yeah. Home state. He takes a cigarette break and he, he goes in uh, to the bathroom and puts out his cigarette 
I turn around the faucet and uh, the place goes up in flames. Um, so, you know, one does not have to be anti-fracking to find that funny. Uh, it's a very funny scene. And, you know, so um, I think it's it's important for everybody to, um, I guess, just enjoy not just Alpha House, but all these political shows on, on their own terms and, and leave the uh, daytime political battles behind. And certainly, uh, you know, Grover Norquist and Vic Morris and Michael Steele uh, took part in our show in that spirit. I mean, they knew that Gary Trudeau and I are basically liberals and they didn't care. They thought it was a fun show. Yeah, well, politically speaking, for years, people have confused Dick Morris and Gary Trudeau, haven't they? Good line. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 really almost inter- interchangeable. So while I have you, because it'd be a shame to to have you on a conversation um, and not get your views on on some of the you know real life politics of the day. I, I certainly I know that you haven't, and certainly would hope that you haven't uh, given up your daytime hobby um, of. Uh, no, I mean I, I you know I've been writing yes. uh, the Daily Beast uh, and uh, the New Yorker website and. Uh, um, I wrote a long piece recently in Foreign Affairs. I have another one, Slate, coming out. So I'm still, you know, very active in my. I haven't quit my day job, um, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I'm uh, very much a uh, political journalist, um, and you know, focused on um, uh, the reason that I think that the center holds is still holding is that. Um, you know, the fallout from that election uh, is still being felt, uh, and the toxicity of the last three years of our politics, four years of our politics, is still uh, being felt. So, uh, you know, what I've worked on um, these last few years is, uh, you know, part of the conversation and a I, of course, go on MSNBC uh, about three times a week. Yeah, talk yeah. about it. Do you, do you still feel? I mean, the, the 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 one of the key lines at the beginning. I mean, the the, the almost almost the raison d'etre of of your book, um, and you started with it was that uh, you know that that the 2012 election may have been the most consequential, um, in your words, a hinge of history. You, you know, you just were referring to the last you know two years, I guess, since that since that campaign. Do you still feel that way? I mean, now, you know, with the benefit of history, with the benefit of hindsight, you know, was was that? I mean, I don't want you to undersell the, the premise of your whole book. No question. But, I feel it more strongly than ever uh, because, remember, I didn't say that if Obama was reelected that the country was going to take a liberal turn. It's called the center holds. What I was talking about was what didn't happen. Uh, so uh, if Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan had been elected, uh, Paul Ryan would have been put in charge of the budget. Paul Ryan is a pre-New Deal conservative. His idol in life is Ayn Rand. He, um, for many years, gave everybody who worked in his house office uh, a copy of one of Ayn Rand's uh, super-libertarian novels. Now, he's had to modify a little bit of that because Ayn Rand was an atheist. Um, but this gives you some idea of the kind of 
country we would be living in now if they had prevailed. Uh, whatever Mitt Romney did in Massachusetts would not have been relevant. It would, if they had won, it would have been a huge vindication of everything conservative that has been presented in this country in the last five years, including the Tea Party, uh, including uh, the Ryan Plan, which was not you know modest cuts to the federal budget, but 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 percent cuts in, in uh, safety net uh, programs um, that would have uh, changed the face of the country uh, far beyond, uh, you know, the, re- the obvious repeal of uh, Obamacare that would have been um, part of uh, what was going on uh, in 2013 and 2014. So, you know, uh, they wouldn't have had the votes for everything that they wanted to do, but um, they would have gotten a fair number of Democratic votes who are Democrats are less disciplined than the Republicans. If you look at what happened under Reagan and the Bushes, uh, a lot of uh, Democrats told me that uh, if Romney had been elected, he would have gotten most of his program through with the help of Democrats. And it was uh, not your father's Republican Party. It was a radical vision of America. Um, and um, the changes that they wanted uh, were a huge departure from um, many of the ideas that the Republican Party was founded on, things like no infrastructure spending, because that was big government. Well, you know, if you go back to Abraham Lincoln's party platforms, uh, they involved not just slavery at the beginning of the Republican Party, but, you know, huge government infrastructure spending, which today's Republican Party doesn't believe in. that's just one of many uh, examples. Yeah. Uh, Eisenhower, obviously. Eisenhower, huge. Today's Republican Party is a huge departure from that. So essentially, the reason I thought it was a hinge of history is that if, if Romney had been elected, we would have been going back to uh, at least uh, in terms of the you know, theory of government, um, back to a, a pre-New Deal uh, vision of America and social contract and what we what we owe each other. And actually, if you read the pre- preface to the Ryan Plan, he says that this is a fundamental rethinking of the relationship between the people and their government. And, and all of it says that the Ryan Plan is the rewriting of the American social contract. So, you know, it was really all on the line as, as you know, my, my 92-year-old, Father uh, uh, would put it with reference to the, you know, the games he played as a child. It was for all the marbles. This this election, and even though it was a re-elect, and normally re-elects are less important, uh, it, it, it took on uh, it took on huge uh, importance. Um, so, uh, and now I, I don't think uh, uh, it will be possible to repeal Obamacare. Um, and it won't be possible to do a lot of the other things that were in the Ryan plan. It's a, it's a fantasy now, um, you know, it's, uh, privatizing Medicare, for instance. Um, and with the demographic changes in the country, uh, moving in the elect in the, uh, Democrats direction, if not in 2014, then in 2016, 2020, um, I think it will be very hard for this uh, radical Republican uh, vision to ever be a reality, and that's why I called the book "The Center Holes." But just very quickly, I don't want you to think, Chris, that you know the book is a polemic or a, an argument. It's a, a very heavily 
reported book that um, you know comes with a uh, a guarantee, although not a money back guarantee, from the publisher that there is new material that has never been reported before on every page of uh, nearly 400 pages in, in the book. Okay, well, I I won't uh, I won't come chasing after you with the receipt <laughs> don't then. Hold, don't <laughs> uh, hold us to that. Yeah. And, and and just to, just to, to close out, um, and this I think is is one of the I mean this is obviously one of the things that you've written about is in in general is the importance of compromise in governing, and and you've taken some heat on that, particularly from the left, um, you know, and, and the need to compromise. But but it's it's so central, I would think, to. Um, getting things done, you know, how important is compromise? And and you know, you know the argument down the left that there's no use in compromise with the right wing, you know, a, a group that's that never compromises on its own. Um, as you have reported out even further, the center holds. What what's your view on 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 you know the benefit of compromise, the need for compromise, the practicality of it? Um, can it exist? Well. Um I'm really glad you raised that, Chris, because I decided to write the center holds after seeing John Boehner, the newly elected speaker, go on 60 Minutes in late 2010. And he told uh, Leslie Stahl that he did not believe, and the Republicans that he represented in Congress did not believe in the word compromise. And I started yelling at the TV. Uh, and uh, you know, my family thought I was a little crazy, which happens from time to time. But watch, the country was founded on the idea of compromise. It is at the very center of our Constitution, uh, which is a huge compromise, uh, and that includes some you know bad stuff, particularly on uh, slavery. You know, but the people who uh, even then were against slavery had to compromise in order to get it done, uh, and they got a lot of good stuff, too. And pretty much every um, administration uh, in all of the years since has had to compromise, and every Congress it compromises in the marrow. It's, in the very, it's at the very center of what Congress is all about. So when you have one political party and a which is united against compromise, the Republicans refused to raise taxes at all, no matter what was offered on the other side. And you have the, a portion of the, of the other political party, the Democrats, who believes that any compromise is a liberal sellout. You have a recipe for the kind of gridlock that we have now. And so where this really came to a head and where some... Uh, uh, liberal Democrats were uh, very opposed to my views was uh, in late 2009 and early 2010 when uh, Obamacare was hanging by a thread. And what happened was, as you remember, that the House, for parliamentary reasons, was in a take-it-or-leave-it uh, position. The Democratic, then-Democratic House was in a take-it-or-leave-it position with the uh, Senate bill which they considered to be inferior. Most of them, like me, were single-payer supporters anyway, and so they were already unhappy that from the start uh, Obamacare was not single-payer. But they felt like they had given up a public option, they had given up everything important, and therefore became supporters of uh, the idea expressed by people like Howard Dean and Keith Olbermann 
kill the bill, kill the bill. Well, I thought that this was insanity, um, that this was the best chance uh, in, uh, uh, you know, since the New Deal, when Roosevelt decided not to seek uh, national health insurance, to um, provide health security for the American people, to end the shameful era where if you were a child who got sick, you had to sell your home or declare personal bankruptcy. We had an opportunity with Obamacare to uh, to end that. I think every liberal now realizes it was a good thing that those liberals lost, those anti-compromise liberals lost, and we took more than half a loaf and got an awful, awful lot in, in Obamacare. So to me, that's an example of how sometimes liberals get very short-sighted on this question of compromise. You always have to be open to compromise. And Obama's problem right now is that he's faced with another side, the other side, which doesn't believe as a matter of principle in compromise. And so he has nobody to work with. As, as uh, when I interviewed him at one point, as, as he, he said to me, all I want for Christmas is a, uh, an opposition that is uh, willing to compromise. Um, so, and that's very much in the American grain and the American spirit. Uh, the best of America is, is rational, pragmatic compromise. Well, if he can't get it in real life, perhaps he can get it in the fictional political world of Alpha House. <laughs> we, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. If you you know you, that's that's one place where you you can make all our all our dreams come true. Jonathan Alter, there's so many places to uh, find his material. Uh, he writes all over the place. Uh, his book, The Center Holds, most recent book, is now uh, out in paperback. Um, he also is executive producer of Alpha House, terrific comedy uh, put out by Amazon. The first season ran 11 episodes. Second season has just been renewed. Uh, I believe you're shooting over the summer, and I think I heard you say earlier in this uh, conversation it'll it'll launch again in the fall. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. and and I'm sorry. And and who was that sitting U.S. senator you said was going to make the cameo? I I, I know you. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice try, Chris. There's actually going to be more than one. Okay. Believe. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, and uh, so we're hoping uh, for for uh, a few of them, um, and we're pretty confident that uh, there will be some more. But there are a lot of other reasons to watch the show. And um, uh, John Goodman, Clark Johnson, Matt Malloy, uh, Mark Consuelos, Wanda Sykes, and others are uh, just a few of the reasons why. Yeah, they're they're all terrific, and and the writing too, and uh, uh, and I really appreciate your taking the time, uh, Jonathan Alter, uh, Alpha House, The Center Holds, and so much more. Uh, I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations.